Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Worcester Talking News. Recorded on the 9th of June and brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment for the Blind and with permission of the Worcester News. I'm Pippa Curtis and the team this week comprises Alex Gwynne as recording engineer, Carol Hartle on copying and admin and our readers today are Catherine Neal. Hello. And Jane Fairs. Hello. I'd like to extend a warm welcome to any new listeners and hope you enjoy our recording today. As always, we'll include, first of all, a list of useful telephone numbers, then what's on in the local theatres, etc., followed by the headline stories, a selection of general news stories, a little bit of sport, and then finishing up with the thought for the week, sunrise and sunset times, and of course, the birthday file. If we don't have a record of your birthday and you'd like to be included, please do get in touch and we can add it to the file. Obituaries are now recorded after the closing music. We do like to hear from you, so if you have any comments or problems, a message can be left on the answer phone on 01905 767 766. Alternatively, just put a note in your wallet. And finally, the service is free to users, but if you'd like to make a donation... It can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR5, 1DA. So let's start this week with the telephone numbers, which Jane is going to read, I think, like you have done for the last few weeks. Yes, I Getting think good so. at it, Jane. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. I know my heart, I suppose, soon. Um, Wilds Lane, 01905 767766. Listeners should be aware that this is not manned daily and need to be patient if a reply is required. Police, non-emergency, 101. NHS Direct, 111. Out of hours, medical assistance, 0300 123 3211 between 6 and 8pm. Crime Stoppers, 0800 555 Worcester Hub 01905 765 765 Worcestershire County Council here to help 01905 768053 Option 3 Community Risk Team Fire Safety 0800 032 1155 Domestic Abuse Helpline 0800 980 Sense Adventures Walking for Visually Impaired D. Jones 01684 891 297 or 07920 144 www senseadventures.co.uk Samaritans 116123 Worcester Live 01905 611427 Morven Theatres 01684 892277 Thank you. And now to what's on. So starting local. 
On Thursday the 16th of June, the Swan Theatre is hosting the Take That Experience, a popular and long-standing tribute band to the iconic 90s boy band Take That. Featuring hit after hit from Take That's 30-year career, this evening promises to be a night of pop nostalgia. Tickets are £23.50, it starts at 7.30pm, and for more information, contact The Swan on 611-427. From Friday the 17th to Sunday the 19th of June, the Royal Three Counties show is taking place over at the Three Counties in Malvern. Lots of activities are scheduled to take place for all the family, ensuring that there'll never be a dull moment for anyone, or at least that's what they say. For tickets, go to the website, and this is all lowercase, royal3counties.co.uk. For cricket lovers, New Road is hosting a T20 blast fixture on Saturday, June the 18th against Northampton Steelbacks, or even Northants Steelbacks. The match starts at 2.30pm, £15 for an adult ticket, and for tickets, visit the Worcestershire County Club Cricket Club website or wccctickets.com. .co.uk. Over at the Malvern Theatre from Tuesday, June the 14th to Saturday the 18th, the Middle Ground Theatre Company are putting on Agatha Christie's wonderful Miss Marple thriller, A Murder is Announced. Featuring Sarah Thomas of Last of the Summer Wine fame as Miss Marple, this lavish production is sure to delight. Evening performances start at 7.30pm, Matinees on Wednesday and Saturday at 2.30pm. Ticket prices vary for different for performances, so contact Malvern Box Office on 01684 892277. And uh, a little bit just when you thought all the Platinum Jubilee celebrations were over, think again. A wonderful concert is taking place on Wednesday 22nd of June at 7.30pm in Malvern recreating the highlights of the coronation service of Queen Elizabeth II. Our Monaco Consort's five-star choir and brass players will revive one of the most epic days of the 20th century. Tickets from £20.72p and details contact the box office. And last of all, I have a piece of paper here about a special play that's taking place somewhere ahead, but I think people need to put this in their diary. Worcester Talking News, in association with Two's Company, presents Love Letters, a play by A.R. Gurney. This is taking place at St Peter's Village Hall, and that's Worcester WR5 3TA, and it's taking place on Saturday, July the 23rd at 7pm. Tickets are £8, including refreshments, and they're available from the Tourist Information Centre, the Guildhall in Worcester, and the telephone number is 01905 726 And all proceeds will be in aid of Worcester News and Equipment Service for the Blind. So we hope to see lots of you there. I'm told it's going to be a wonderful performance. Right, we'll start with the headlines and then the stories. Just to give you a heads up, though, funnily enough, an awful lot of the stories are around the Platinum Jubilee. So pin your ears back. Catherine, over to you. Right, I'm just going to read out what the headlines have been for every day in the last week. On Friday, June the 3rd, it was crowning glory. City joins in jubilee spirit. Saturday, June the 4th, jubilee cheer <clears throat> coming together for street parties. Monday, June the 6th, quality streets 
Jubilee parties in Worcester. Tuesday, June the 7th, jail warning to owner of Killer Dog. Wednesday, June the 8th, 80 jobs at risk, kazoo to make major cuts across UK and Europe. And Thursday, June the 9th, tragedy after wood alert. Police find man in water, but he cannot be saved. So I'll begin with the headline story for Friday, June the 3rd. Crowning glory. City joins in jubilee spirit. Patriotic residents in Townsend Road kicked off the jubilee celebrations with one of the city's first platinum jubilee street parties. The street was full to overflowing with handmade bunting and a selection of homemade cakes and children were even treated to a special ride in a police car. Residents were excited to celebrate the Jubilee and even put a team of people together to handcraft the bunting on the street. Jill Clarici says she got all of the fabric from Worcestershire Resource Exchange and it's all made from recycled materials. Mrs Clarici said creating the bunting was a team effort because I didn't want the bunting to end up in landfill. The residents spent the day enjoying the sunshine and socialising with their neighbours. Karine Irving said, We're a really social street and we had a nice V-Day, so we wanted to do something for the Jubilee. The street party was enjoyed by everyone as retired teachers Colin and Jan Whitehead enjoyed the Jubilee sun. Mrs Whitehead says they've been living on Townsend Street for 46 years after the couple got married. She said, We used to be the only couple with children on the street and now we're the oldest. Police officer Luke Prue allowed children to sit in his police car and even showed them how to turn on the siren. And this is the headline for Saturday and Sunday, June the 4th and the 5th. Jubilee cheer, coming together for street parties. There were smiles on faces at a Queen's Platinum Jubilee street party in Warnden. A barbecue, music, games for the children were all part of the event at Ennerdale Close yesterday. And the event even had its own queen for the day. Shirley Boone, who took the role of the monarch, said, It's been amazing. Everyone has really enjoyed themselves. Julie Rogers, one of the residents in the street who decorated her balcony with British flags, said, It's been a fantastic way to celebrate the Jubilee. There's a great community spirit in this street. It's always like this, which is a rare thing nowadays. Cherry Ann Yeomans said, We've loved it. The weather has been brilliant too. And the older residents in the street, 85 year old Joan Brixton and Shirley Lewis, aged 86, and Margaret Jones, aged 84, all said they could remember the Jubilee street parties of the past, with Platinum Jubilee Party reminding them of the fun memories. The event began at lunchtime with music throughout the day and young and old able to get a picture next to a full-length picture of the Queen. Whereas residents of Blenheim Road joined together to sing Sweet Caroline and more as Jubilee festivities continue in Worcester. The road, located off the end of St John's, was closed off yesterday with partygoers joining in the Neil Diamond Classic, followed by a rendition of Madness, It Must Be Love. The street party was planned by Joanne Curtis, Lisa Bendall, Vicky Garside, Mark Ward, Jilly Baker and Helen Hunt.
Mrs Curtis said, When it was locked down, we used to head out on the street at the foot of our gardens and it felt very important for the community to be together in such a difficult time. We said that if ever there was an opportunity, we'd, we'd have a street party like this and there has been no better occasion than the Jubilee. She continued, We live in a lovely area of Worcester with a truly lovely community and we also have a royal road name, so it should be a shame not to hold a street party. The decorations are the result of a group of very hard-working people getting together, laying out the table, getting picnic items, arranging hopscotch and games for the children and more. Residents turned out in high numbers to enjoy a wide array of food and drinks, games for the children and live music. The event was accompanied by live music courtesy of another Blenheim Road resident called Chalky Martin, who was dressed in Jubilee attire. Val Stinton said it's amazing. Last time we all had to stay in our own gardens, so it really is amazing to be able to do this together. We're all out together again. The mood is great, and the way that Joanne and the other organisers have worked to put this all together is incredible. And the headline for Monday, June the 6th. Quality streets, jubilee parties in Worcester, whatever the weather. And in fact, there are six pages devoted to all those different jubilee parties. But I shall concentrate on this one because it's about Pinkett Street. And Pinkett Street has a bit of a history around uh, parties and jubilees. A jubilee street party was attended by seven people who were also at a party for the Queen's coronation held nearly 70 years ago in the same road. Sandra Smith, Linda Dinsdale and Pauline Price were among those at Pinkett Street in Northwick on Sunday to enjoy the festivities nearly seven decades after they parted at a now famous party in the street in 1953. Pinkett Street has become well known for hanging out the bunting and enjoying street parties, but it all started when neighbours celebrated the start of Queen Elizabeth's reign. Organiser Tony Fisher said... This street has been doing loads of street parties since 1953. It's traditional and it hasn't changed a great deal. The only difference is when you play songs, you play them off a computer. There's still sandwiches and long tables. This year, the street's efforts were recognised when it was named by The Sun as one of the top five street parties in the country. Sandra Smith, who's born and bred in Worcester, said, It's nice to see everybody. We were a bit worried about the rain. In 1955, sorry, 1953, I was five and I remember going up the road with my mum with her old-fashioned pram collecting cakes. We celebrate royal weddings, jubilees, V-Day and the Queen Mother's 100th birthday. But the best one was ten years ago when we celebrated the Queen's Diamond Jubilee. This year, adults and children celebrated the Queen's Platinum Jubilee with face painting, raffle games and a bouncy castle throughout the day. Children were kept entertained with a range of different games, while adults enjoyed a selection of homemade food. There was even a fancy dress competition for children to take part in and a raffle. The street was flooded with bunting, with tents and long tables decorated with the Union flags. And members of the public, like Edward Lloyd-Jones, came dressed for the occasion. Mr Lloyd-Jones said, It's been a wonderful replay of ten years ago, when we celebrated the last Jubilee, but this time it's been dry. The last party had torrential rain. Tony Fisher helped organise the event and said it had been a great success. And actually, I was in Pinkett Street yesterday and the bunting looked magnificent. 
Over to you, Catherine. Right, on Tuesday, June the 7th, the tone did change a bit for the Worcester News. Warning for dog owner. Jail warning to owner of killer dog. A woman has been warned she could go to jail after her dog killed a chihuahua and injured its owner. Despite previously admitting being the owner in charge of a dog dangerously out of control, causing injury, Dawn Houseman repeatedly interrupted prosecutor Mark Hambling, saying she didn't like hearing lies. At Worcester Magistrates Court, Mr Hambling said, A dog belonging to Miss Houseman leaves her home address when the chihuahua is on a lead with the owner. Houseman interrupted, saying, It wasn't, with Mr Hambling replying to her, Do you mind? Mr Hambling continued, This lady's dog attacks the chihuahua, kills the chihuahua, and doesn't relent from trying to bite. Mr Hambling said, the American Bull Terrier had then also bitten the finger of Katie Harris, the Chihuahua's owner, injuring her hand in the incident that took place outside Houseman's home in Back Lane South on April the 9th, 2021. At the start of the hearing, the 52-year-old was asked if she was unrepresented as there was no solicitor in court to represent her. Houseman replied, no one contacted me. After another interruption, Chairman of the Magistrates' Bench, Kevin Lloyd-Wright, said, Miss Houseman, wait for the prosecution to speak. Mr Hambling said the case had been listed for sentencing on Monday, June the 6th, with a pre-sentence report meant to have been prepared ahead, but one had not been completed. He said Houseman's previous convictions included one in 2011 for keeping a dangerous dog, making that an aggravating feature of the case, and added the prosecution was asking for a large amount of compensation to pay for veterinary bills. Houseman was told the purpose of the hearing was to gather information and nothing would be decided on sentencing. But Houseman replied, I understand that, but what he, the prosecutor, just said is wrong. The dog didn't bite the victim. Elizabeth Armstrong from the probation service said she'd apologised to Houseman that the pre-sentence report had not been done, adding she spoke to Houseman about an on-the-day report, but they both decided it was better if a thorough report was written. The chairman told Houseman she needed to tell her legal representatives when appointed what she had said in court, as that would be her mitigation. The chairman said, These are serious offences. You do need to be represented at the sentencing. The court could impose any sentence the law allows, and that could include a custodial sentence. The case was adjourned with the sentence date set for July the 4th. Houseman was given unconditional bail. And this was on Wednesday, June the 8th. 80 jobs at risk at Kazoo. There are fears that 80 people could be set to lose their jobs in Worcester as a nationwide car retailer announced cuts. Kazoo Cars is to axe around 750 jobs across the UK and Europe as the retailer looks to cut costs by more than 200 million by the end of 2023. As part of the cuts, Two of its preparation sites in the UK will shut, and the company has not yet confirmed which ones. But an employee at the preparation centre in Norton, just outside Worcester, claims that he and around 80 colleagues have been put out of a job with 30 days' notice. The site in Church Lane 
was taken over by Kazoo last year when the firm acquired SMH Fleet Solutions. A reporter went to the site and was also told by a security guard that it had closed. Kazoo plans to slash its workforce by about 15% due to consumer cutbacks and fears of recession. Founder and Chief Executive Alex Chesterman said the combination of rising inflation and interest rates with supply chain issues caused by the pandemic and war has driven up the cost of living and hit consumer confidence. This perfect storm has placed cash conservation top of the mind for the company ahead of growth. Kazoo currently has around 5,000 employees in total and it's believed that a bulk of the cuts will come from its 4,000-strong UK staff base. The firm said it would also lower marketing spend and push back some planned investment projects, among other cost-cutting measures. The company, founded two and a half years ago, has seen online car sales dwindle as pandemic restrictions have been lifted, with used car dealer Carzam collapsing late last week. A statement from Kazoo read, The company is not immune to the rapid shift in global economy and the possibility of a recession in the coming months. As a result, management's expectations for the full year are now more cautious, reflecting the weaker and uncertain external environment. Kazoo lowered its sales outlook for the year ahead in light of the more difficult trading. It now expects to sell between 70,000 and 80,000 vehicles in the full year, down from previous guidance, but this would still be up to 130% higher year on year. Revenues of between £1.4 million and £1.5 billion are now expected for the year and cash flow is likely to break even in the UK by the end of 2023. And the headline for Thursday, June the 9th. Tragedy after wood alert. Police find man in water, but he cannot be saved. A man has died after being found in a Worcester wood. The man, who has not been identified, was found in a critical condition in the water in Worcester woods after concerns for his safety were raised. Police and the ambulance service rushed to the scene just before 8am yesterday. He was taken to Worcestershire Royal Hospital where he was pronounced dead despite paramedics battling to save his life. Worcester Woods was cordoned off yesterday morning, but the woods were reopened at around 1.30pm. A spokesman from West Mercia Police said, We can confirm the death is not being treated as suspicious, and a report will be prepared for the coroner. We were called to Worcester Woods Country Park at around 8am this morning, following concerns for the safety of a man in the water. Officers attended the scene with colleagues from the ambulance service, and the man was taken to hospital, where he was sadly pronounced dead. A spokesperson from the West Midlands Ambulance Service said, We were called to reports of a patient in the water at Worcester Woods Country Park at 7.50am. Two ambulances, 
two paramedic officers and the Midlands Air Ambulance from Strencham attended the scene. On arrival, we discovered one male patient who was in a critical condition. Ambulance staff immediately began administering advanced life support, which continued en route to Worcestershire Royal Hospital. However, shortly after arrival at hospital, it sadly became apparent nothing could be done to save the man, and he was confirmed deceased. Bethany Hart, who witnessed the air ambulance land, said, My partner and I saw an air ambulance land at 8.30 in the morning, so we walked to see what was going on. It landed on the field behind Carlisle Road in Ronxwood, and then we saw police cordoned off the woods. So that concludes the headline stories for the week and we'll move on to some general news stories. A lot of might be Platinum Jubilee related. I don't know. We'll see what we can find for you. So Mm. do you want to to begin, Catherine? Yes, but my first one is not about the Jubilee. (laughs) (laughs) A thief goes shopping. A thief went on a spending spree at city petrol stations after breaking into a car and stealing a bank card. Sarah McKeon's car was broken into on Kilbury Drive near Spetchley Road in in the early hours of Sunday morning. The thief then went on a spending spree at city petrol stations, racking up almost £240 on a stolen bank card. The man who's believed to have broken into the car was caught on a neighbour's doorbell camera. Mrs McKeon said they spent money at the BP garage on London Road, the commandery service station on Bath Road and then once more at the BP garage on London Road. The total amounted to £240 in the end. I'm unsure at this moment in time exactly what they bought with the card. The only positive is that they left a trail which can be traced. CCTV footage captured by a neighbour suggests that the thief targeted the vehicle at around 1am that night. Mrs McKeon said, I'm not worried so much about the money as I know that this will be sorted. My main concern is letting the public know that this individual is out there targeting cars. The worst thing is that I heard from others in the area that the thief was also trying other car doors as well. A dog walker found the other cards from the stolen wallet under the bridge on Whittington Road and returned it to Mrs McKeon. West Mercia Police released a statement after the theft with an appeal for more information. PCSO Sarah Hughes of the Battenhall and Nunnery Safer Neighbourhood Team said, We are keen to hear from anyone who may have any information relating to the theft of these items or that may have been in the area around the time of the incident and heard or seen anything suspicious. If you have information about this or any other suspected crime, please let us know using the online Tell us about form on our website www.westmercia.police.uk quoting incident reference 00137I 050620022. If you aren't comfortable contacting us directly, you can pass on information anonymously to the independent charity Crime Stoppers by calling 0800 555 111 or by visiting their website www.crimestoppers-uk.org For more information please contact me on Sarah E. Hughes at westmercia.police.uk 
and this is about a plan to build a new all-weather sports pitch, which will cost at least £800,000, according to a new council report. <coughs> Worcester City Council is looking to build a new all-weather 3G sports pitch at Purdiswell Leisure Centre at a cost of £800,000. Councillors will meet this week to discuss setting aside an initial 200000 boost to give the officers a chance to get a hold of government money to help develop the project and draw up designs for the new facility. At the moment, the new facility would cost £68,400 to run annually, with the council expecting to make about £90,000 a year to cover the cost. The councillors agreed to put aside £25,000 in 2018 for a study about the potential new um, facility and an all-weather pitch at the leisure centre, but those plans were then put on a back burner by the council until early 2020. And in the meantime, the Football Foundation, the charity responsible for channelling government FA and Premier League money into grassroots football said the city needed more small-sided pitches and a new all-weather pitch. The plans were dusted off in November last year and councillors agreed to take another look at the project and whether it could still be afforded. The review found that the council would need money from the Football Foundation if it wanted to move ahead with the building of the new 3G pitch, with an agreement that any profit made from the new facility would have to be reinvested or set aside for maintenance. The commitment of £200,000 would give the City Council access to support from the Football Foundation to help develop its plans and draw out designs. The City Council has been looking at several options to build new facilities at the Purdiswell Leisure Centre, including new five-a-side pitches, an all-weather pitch and a futsal area. A number of studies have been carried out in the last four years focusing on building a new futsal facility, the latest of which suggested that the estimated cost has risen by £500,000 to around 3.4 million. The Council's Community Committee will be meeting at the Guildhall on June the 8th, which has taken place. I don't know what a futsal facility is. Hmm. Well, I'm going back to the Jubilee, and this uh, is a nice article about uh, the fun that was had in Jubilee Road. The aptly named Jubilee Road in St John's lived up to its name with residents celebrating the Queen's Platinum Jubilee with gazebos, patriotic music and lots of food. The road was festooned with bunting and festive union flags in order to mark 70 years of the Queen being on the throne. Despite the weather, residents huddled under a gazebo and enjoyed a lavish spread of finger food. Residents kept each other entertained and sang patriotic songs, including the national anthem, while waving British flags. Organisers started putting up the decorations on Thursday, June the 2nd, in preparation for the party on Sunday the 6th. Jackie Pepiat, who helped organise the party, said, I wished it was warmer. It's been good and we'll be going till 9pm today. Aside from the community aspect of street parties, there aren't a lot of women like her who are serving the country. 
When I'm, when I'm in my PJs, she's made up and out working. Gemma Davidson, who was visiting her family in Worcester, said, It's been great. The weather's held off. It would be better if it was hot, but we're still here, in our raincoats. Children were dressed in red, white and blue and enjoyed dancing to the music playing throughout the day. Nearby, Margaret Road also held a street party with a special guest. Heather Stone dressed up as the Queen and treated everyone to a humorous show. Mrs Stone said, I think it's very much appropriate to open our street party with the Queen. All the money from this street party will go to the first responders, where I am a first responder myself. Later in the day, I'll also be teaching kids CPR. Marion Moore, who was visiting her mother over the Jubilee weekend, said, It was a great event for the whole community to enjoy. And there's some lovely photos to go with it. And here's another street party story, but this is one of confusion. Neighbours were left confused when a street party for the Queen's Jubilee failed to go ahead, but their road was still closed. Organisers of a street party on Liverpool Road, Ronxwood, decided to cancel the street party on Sunday due to the poor weather. A spokesperson from the City Council <coughs> said the organisers got in touch to cancel the party and the City Council has now started the process to reclaim the £100 grant that was given to support the event. But neighbours shared their disappointment and confusion about the road closure still going ahead and no party. And some residents also said they didn't know a street party had been expected to go ahead and only found out when the barriers and sign went up on Saturday. Dean Atkinson said no one knew about the road closures until the signs went up. Nobody on the street had any idea who organised it. Yesterday they put the road closure signs up and that was the first we'd heard of it. Cameron Khan said the party had been cancelled, I think, because of the weather. The Met Office had issued a yellow warning for thunderstorms in Worcestershire on Saturday. The road was expected to be closed between 10am and 6pm on Sunday, June the 5th, but residents said in the end they moved the barriers out of the way and continued to use the road as normal. A spokesman from Worcester City Council said the organiser of the street party contacted the City Council to inform us that they were cancelling the event because of the poor weather. The City Council had provided a £100 grant to support this event and we are now starting the process to reclaim that money. And this is about a pub which you probably know, the King Charles II in New Street. Its new owners are ringing the changes at this historic pub in the city centre. Darren Young and Barney Reynolds took over the King Charles house last month and have already been busy sprucing up the old black and white building. The pair who've been running the Swan Inn at Hanley Swan for the past eight years say there's more to come. It's been great, said Mr Young. We've been making lots of changes, introducing music, putting up lights, improving the food offering, and we have big plans for the future. We want it to be more in the style of the Swan, but still in keeping with the traditional real ale pub that it is. The pies will stay, but we will be expanding the menu. It's been limited simply because of the equipment that's in place, but we're putting in some major investment into the kitchen so we can start offering fish dishes, starters and desserts. All that will help the pub grow. Mr Young said that a small number of planks will be replaced by straighter boards of a similar age 
so dining tables would sit straight on the pub's famed uneven floor upstairs. We've already bought 450-year-old wood to do it, he said, and if anything, this will add to the charm. All the character needs to remain. The new street pub, which was built in 1577, was the hiding place for King Charles II after his defeat at the Battle of Worcester in 1651. One of its quirkier features is an oubliette, a narrow dungeon with only one escape hatch. We're going to have the oubliette glazed, said Darren. People know it's here and this means they'll be able to just come in and see it. The oubliette will be officially relaunched later this month by a historian dressed as King Charles II. Darren said feedback from regulars has been fabulous and the move away from being a Craddock's pub has gone down well with the Worcester camera members who are moving their regular meetings to the King Charles. They're loving the pub again, he said. We're really proud to be here. We love it. It's a genuinely stunning building and a bit romantic, really. It's 450 years old. We've signed a 16-year deal, but we want to go beyond that. And in the next 12 months or so, we'll have the pub where we want it to be. Outrageous cricket fans have food confiscated. Cricket fans were left outraged after food was confiscated at the Worcestershire Rapids game and a fight broke out in the grounds. Worcestershire County Cricket Club were forced into a U-turn on a policy of not allowing fans to bring in food and drink after being heavily criticised for stewards' actions at the Worcestershire Rapids versus Birmingham Bears game. Fans said on social media that food had been confiscated from them with long queues during bag searches as people tried to enter. One fan claimed his daughter had had her chocolate muffin taken away at her first ever match, leaving her very upset. The club put out a statement on Saturday saying they were reviewing ground regulations. It said, Worcestershire County Cricket Club continually strives to operate with best practices and the safety and security of all spectators in mind, but are aware that there were long queues in bag search areas during today's fixture. Additional staff resources will be allocated to complete bag searches for future fixtures to ensure smoother entry. In addition, the policy, which meant no food and drink could be brought into the ground, has been lifted for the remaining Vitality Blast fixtures. Spectators will now be allowed to bring a modest amount of food into the ground for individual consumption. However, as in previous years, no alcohol can be brought into New Road during Vitality Blast fixtures. Any appropriate food collected during today's fixture has been donated to a local food bank. Tim Clark, who attended the match, said, I commend the club for salvaging food for the food bank, but that is not really the point. People would have had to have gone and spent a lot more money on replacing the food that was taken away afterwards, which doesn't seem right. I couldn't quite understand why they didn't apologise in their statement. There also seemed to be a large scuffle breaking out near the Basil D'Oliveira stand, which was quite shocking to see. Worcestershire Rapids beat Birmingham Bears by 15 runs at the game on Friday, June the 3rd. We have, contact- we have contacted Worcestershire County Cricket Club for more information. Right. <clears throat> Railway crossing is set to close again. 
two city railway crossings look set to be closed for another three years after a spate of antisocial behaviour. Worcester City Council is looking to create public space protection orders, PSPOs, on two footpaths between Brickfields Park and Aspwood Road and another at Kay's Crossing, which links Bromyard Road and Lawnbrook Nature Reserve. The orders, which have also been used to ban drinking alcohol in the city centre, could see people fined up to £100 if they use the banned routes. The crossing at Bricksfield... Brickfields was closed between July 2017 and July 2020, the maximum length allowed for a PSPO, due to an extraordinary, extraordinarily high number of incidents, including antisocial behaviour and bricks being thrown at trains. The Kays footpath, which was used regularly by schoolchildren but suffers from poor visibility, making it dangerous, has been closed temporarily since February 2020 because of several near misses between people and trains. Fencing protecting the area has also been regularly vandalised, according to the council. In the six months between May and November 2019, ten incidents were reported at the Kays Crossing, the most at any point in the country on the 2,000-mile-long western route, including one death, seven deliberate misuses, including six involving youngsters, and two near misses, with the driver having to slam on the emergency brakes. The council held a four-week consultation on the plan to close the two crossings earlier this year, with just under two-thirds of the 161 responses saying they did not support the closure of the Kays crossing. Of the 102 people that responded to the survey on the Brickfields crossing, just over half said they would support closing the Brickfields crossing. Those not supporting the closure said the Brickfields path was a quicker route to the park, with others suggesting that police should patrol the area more regularly and the council could look at building a bridge. Those supporting keeping the Kays crossing open said closing the route would only push the antisocial behaviour elsewhere. It was a quicker route to Dines Green and the Nature Reserve and the council should install extra CCTV. And this is another rail, a rail story, but it's about the strikes that are due to happen um, later this month. Commuters are being warned that a national rail strike will be taking place this month, which the RMT has said will shut down the country's rail network for three days. The strikes are set to happen on June the 21st, the 23rd and the 25th and are in objection to pay freezes amid the current cost-of-living crisis. Worcestershire commuters who use Great Western Railway and Midlands trains will be affected. The spokesperson from West Midlands Trains said, West Midlands Railway will be running a reduced timetable on the affected days. This is currently being finalised and will be published as soon as possible. Rail Maritime Transport, RMT, General Secretary Mick Lynch said railway workers have been treated appallingly and despite our best efforts in negotiations, the rail industry, with the support of the government, has failed to take their concerns seriously. 
We have a cost of living crisis, and it's unacceptable for railway workers to either lose their jobs or face another year of a pay freeze when inflation is at 11.1 percent and rising. Our union will now embark on a sustained campaign of industrial action, which will shut down the railway system. Railway companies are making at least five hundred million pounds a year in profits, whilst fat cat rail bosses have been paid millions during the COVID nineteen pandemic. This unfairness is fueling our members' anger and their determination to win a fair settlement. RMT is open to meaningful negotiations with rail bosses and ministers, but they will need to come up with new proposals to prevent months of disruption on our railways. Great Western Railway Managing Director Mark Hopwood said, "We would very much welcome the opportunity to continue to talk with RMT to avert strike action." Any strike will impact on customers' journeys and can only damage the post-COVID recovery everyone at GWR has been working to win back, whilst at the same time making it more difficult to deliver the changes we need to secure jobs and services for the future. I'm hopeful the RMT will step back. However, colleagues have been working hard to put contingency plans in place and give certainty to customers who need to travel. The priority will be to keep trains running and customers moving safely, but changes will be needed to allow that to happen. And customers may wish to alter their plans. Members of the public are being invited to celebrate a hundred years of Gallivant Park on Saturday, June the eighteenth. Lady French, Mayor of Worcester, Lord Lieutenant of Worcestershire, MPs, and civic dignitaries, standards, veterans, cadets, and members of the public have all been invited to celebrate Gallivant Park's one hundredth anniversary. And here is an outline of the very special day. Starting at ten thirty, there's an assembly with VIPs seated at the memorial. A presentation will take place on the Battle of Gallivant, explaining its importance in the early stages of World War One, by Lieutenant Colonel Retired Mark Jackson, OBE, Chair of Trustees of the Mercian Regiment Museum, Worcestershire, and President of Worcester Branch WFRA. A talk by a representative from the city council will follow on the opening of the park, its history, and its future. A short service will be conducted by clergy from Worcester Cathedral, with the roll of honour read out, wreath laying, exhortation, last post, one minute silence, reveille, and Kohima epitaph. And then there'll be a tree planting by Lord Lieutenant and Lady French. The tree is donated by St Peter's Garden Centre, that has the Worcestershire Regiment at Norton Memorial Garden within its grounds. I'm sure there'll be lots of other activities probably taking place, but that's one for the diary. Catherine, right, Dream Hotel Heartbreak. A popular wedding venue has cancelled all weddings next year, leaving at least one couple's dream day in tatters. Diglis House Hotel has confirmed no weddings will take place at the Riverside venue in Seven Street at all in 
The managing director of the hotel says the tough decision was taken after difficulties recruiting staff and will protect at least 30 jobs. She said the hotel can offer a better service to customers if it focuses on its core offering. Mark Wheeler, 51, and Trudy Kerr, 45, of Worcester, booked the venue for August the 19th next year. It had always been Miss Kerr's dream to tie the knot at the Diglis, and she was devastated to learn her dream would not come true on Friday morning. Mr Wheeler said, They said we would get our deposit of £1,500 returned, but this does not help if we are unable to find a venue on the same day as we have paid deposits to a photographer and a band. Our booking was still 14 months away and worth nearly £10,000 to them. As a business owner myself, I know I would be doing everything possible to keep a revenue stream like that flowing. Mr Wheeler, who runs a business in Redditch, got engaged to Miss Care, a healthcare clinical lead, in December 2021. The couple have been together since 2016. Mr Wheeler added, We've been looking for an alternative venue for next year, preferably the same date, but are struggling to find anything. The Diglis was Trudy's dream venue, and she is devastated. We have family that live in Bali and in New Zealand who have started to make plans to attend the wedding. They had already paid £500 in deposits to a band and photographer. Mr Wheeler said, The Diglis was the perfect venue, a traditional Worcester hotel overlooking the river that could accommodate all of our family and friends. Managing Director Deborah Jones said Diglis House Hotel has had to make some tough decisions about the way it continues to run its business. Considering all the employment issues facing the hospitality industry, this city hotel is streamlining its offering and focusing on running a successful hotel and restaurant. This has meant it is protecting a minimum of 30 people's jobs and livelihoods and can continue to offer excellent food and accommodation. This has unfortunately meant that some services have had to be looked at, resulting in the cancellation of weddings and events booked for 2023. The Douglas House Hotel has committed to going above and beyond to help those people affected in 2023, and all deposits are being refunded as we speak. She added, the Douglas Hotel was primarily a hotel rather than a wedding venue. The Carnival Queen for Worcester has been announced ahead of her coronation. Melanie Eastwood will be crowned at Worcester Carnival on July the 2nd at 12.30pm by the Mayor of Worcester in the Carnival Village on Pitchcroft. She will be supported by 13 princesses after the committee wanted to include all the applicants aged 6 to 8 years old after they'd waited so long since the last event. Melanie is 36, married and has two children, Jack, aged 7, and Charlotte, aged 11. And she works as a night health care assistant with experience in hospital, hospice, domiciliary, dementia and nursing care. Alongside her job, she fills her time volunteering and supporting the community. She volunteers for Action for Children and Worcestershire Community Trust, where Melanie is involved in a range of projects, from arranging community fun days, making puddings for over 60s, snack and chat to a baby and toddler group, and she also raises funds for her children's schools supporting the PTFA and is currently waiting for cheques so she can regularly visit Mag's Day Centre to help the homeless 
and support with hand and nail care to prevent risk of sores and infection. In addition, she's Tawny Owl with the Warnden Fourth Brownie Group and during the holidays supports supporting the amazing staff at the Ronxwood Hub to put on breakfast clubs for children and their families that may rely on school dinners. From the age of five, Melanie has been involved with Worcester Carnival with the Ronxwood Girls Band playing the gazoo and then drummer to Majorette leading the procession through town with good old Mr and Mrs Drew. When Worcester Carnival returned, her community came together and she organised a float that won an MP Choice Award. Melanie is also in the middle of writing her first children's book about her son as a superhero, and her autistic traits or traits are his superpowers, and this will help people to recognise differences in children and adults and to embrace them. Melanie said, I'd always wanted to be a carnival queen, but felt that I may not match up to what people may say as typically beautiful. To me, that's what the Queen was like out of a storybook. And I do think it's important to remember that we come in different shapes and sizes and to accept and embrace ourselves is a beautiful thing. If I could teach my daughter anything in life, it would be to be happy in your own skin and you always have something to offer, no matter what age, size, race, gender or sexual orientation. We're all worthy and to learn about your own self-worth is very important for your mental health. As Carnival Queen now, I see a platform that I can use to reach out to my wider community and to support and empower themselves and others to bring back the support we once had in the community spirit that we showed during the pandemic. Chris King from Worcester Carnival Committee said, It was obvious from the moment we met Melanie that she's as big a personality as she has heart. She's the friendliest person you can meet and is always looking for ways to help out anyone she can. And we're absolutely delighted she's our Carnival Queen for 2022. And we're sure she'll bring so much joy to the role. Well, this is a <clears throat> an article that's really telling you about another event, uh, but it starts slightly bizarrely. When King Charles II was restored to the throne in 1660, one of the first things he ordered was to exhume the body of Oliver Cromwell, who had died two years before in 1658, and have the body decapitated. The head was put on a spike above Westminster Hall in revenge for the execution of King Charles II's father, King Charles I, in 1649. Battle of Worcester Society member Robbie Porter will relate the story of what happened to Cromwell's head and will throw in other frightful miscellany from the English Civil War, which ended on the blood-soaked streets of Worcester on September 3, 1651. The talk will be in the Great Hall of the Commandery in Sidbury, commencing at 7pm on Thursday, June the 23rd. Tickets are £3 for students, £5 for Battle of Worcester Society members and £7 for guests. Obtainable from the Tourist Information Centre at the Guildhall, the Commandery Shop in Sidbury, the website at the Battle of Worcester Society org.uk, via PayPal or on the door on the night. All welcome. Hi. Three of the four peregrine falcon chicks at Worcester Cathedral have now fledged. 
The fourth has made its way out onto the perch and is very close to flying, the cathedral has confirmed. A spokesperson said, It's such an exciting time with the fledglings swooping around the cathedral, thanks to everyone that has been to see them. We're observing them closely and getting to know their personalities before we decide on their names, but we'll announce them very soon. Another drop-in session on College Green has been organised for Thursday, June the 9th, between 10am and noon, that's today actually, to view them through a scope as they find their wings. This is the first time in 12 years there have been chicks at the cathedral. As we previously reported, four chicks hatched in April after a mated pair of peregrines nested, laying four eggs in a nest box installed at the iconic city building. Chris Dobbs, biodiversity advisor for the cathedral, said this is fantastic news for the cathedral and the city as a whole. Worcester is an incredibly biodiverse place and the peregrines are part of that. The cathedral has done a great job in making sure the peregrines have bred very successfully this year for the first time since 2010, which was on St Andrew's Spire on Deansway. This is a new pair of peregrines that have taken the territory and we now have four healthy chicks. This is the time they learn to fly and hunt. There's no need to book for the drop-in sessions. Visitors can just turn up and learn all about the chicks' progress. This is about dogs. Fashion for best friends. A new dog apparel shop has opened in the Worcester City Centre. Hugo and Ted is the latest store to open in Reindeer Court and sells handmade apparel for dogs. Products on offer include summer cooling tees for dogs, fleece jumpsuits, jumpers, luxury knitwear, as well as bags, beds and homeware, and a selection of natural treats. Charlotte Mosley, owner of Hugo and Ted, said the store opened on May the 28th, and although we also trade online, it's been so amazing seeing how many people have been interested in our new store. The opening had so many lovely people who didn't know we were opening stopping by as well, which was brilliant. The business was named after Charlotte's two Dachshund dogs, and before opening Hugo and Ted, Charlotte was a professional violinist who used to regularly perform in Worcester. She said over the lockdown... I taught myself how to sew and made a dog coat, which I shared on Facebook. And before long, I was getting lots of requests to make others. Once things were opening back up again, I moved into a unit with a couple of seamstresses and started selling the products online. Before long, we had 6,000 orders for our handmade products. It started as a lockdown hobby to fill a void of concerts, but it's grown into something amazing. Charlotte chose to open the store in Worcester due to her love of performing at the cathedral and walking through the city centre whenever she was visiting. She said, I considered opening on the high street, but Reindeer Court matched our business ethos far more. Reindeer Court is full of amazing local businesses and we feel very at home being amongst fellow local business owners. Worcester has also been seemed to be very supportive area of local businesses, which is what made me want to open the store here even more. A new artificial cricket wicket is set to be built on a city playing field. Worcester City Council plans to install the £9,000 synthetic wicket at the King George V playing fields off Brickfields Road. It would be the city's first free-to-use public cricket wicket to be built by the council. 
A report, which will be discussed by the City Council's Communities Committee at a meeting this week, said interest in grassroots cricket has grown following the England men's cricket team's one-day World Cup success in 2019 and the introduction of the new one-day 100-ball 100 competition. The council said demand in Worcester has also grown, with more children attending the England Cricket Board's Inspiring Generations programme, which includes All-Stars Cricket for 5- to 8-year-olds, and Dynamos Cricket, which caters for 8- to 11-year-olds and was launched last year. Dynamos Cricket, which has links with the new 100 competition, uses a modified softball to encourage youngsters to learn how to play cricket, and eventually moved to playing with a hard leather ball. The council is also looking to bring more tape ball games, which use a tennis ball wrapped in electric tape and has become popular among youngsters in cricket-loving nations such as Pakistan, India, Sri Lanka and Bangladesh, as well as other shorter formats of cricket to the new artificial wicket, over fears that some of the city's cricket fans are being locked out of the game due to membership fees and local clubs being unable to provide the facilities for the different formats. The council said the work would take around two days to complete and, if approved, should be installed at the end of the month in time for the second half of the cricket season, which runs until the end of September. And here's another Jubilee story. A top soap actress serenaded residents at a care home with 1940s classics to celebrate the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. Former EastEnders, Emmerdale and Hollyoaks actress Helen Pearson sang classic songs to residents at Perry Manor on Charles Hastings Way. Helen is best known for playing Frankie Osborne in Hollyoaks from 2002 until 2017. She also played April McIntosh in EastEnders in 1990 and starred in Emmerdale from 2000 to 2001 as Carol Waring. Residents and their families were treated to royal-themed games, including a crown-making competition and patriotic face-painting. In the afternoon, everyone was treated to a homemade barbecue lunch and dessert from an ice cream van. Catherine Matthews, home manager at Perry Manor, added, We had a wonderful time celebrating the Queen's Platinum Jubilee here at Perry Manor. For older people and those living with dementia, reminiscing about key milestones, such as previous Jubilee celebrations, can help bring back happy memories, as well as prompting conversation and connection with those around them. These positive feelings gained from revisiting fond memories can help decrease stress, reduce agitation and improve mood. We have many royalists here at Perry Manor who are keen to mark the Queen's incredible reign and celebrate in style. Everyone had a fantastic time and we're already planning our next royal knees up. Perry Manor Care Home has previously put on events for its residents In April, for example, residents were treated to a Greece-inspired movie night. On the day, residents were treated to a screening of Greece and enjoyed diner-style milkshakes, hot dogs and popcorn as part of their immersive cinema experience. The event gave residents the opportunity to recall happy memories from their younger days. Wayne Roberts, a resident at Perry Manor, said the lifestyle team went all out to make us feel like we were back in the 1950s, from traditional drive-in cinema decorations to all the classic (coughs) treats we would have had. It felt like we stepped into the past. And this is about an estate which is close to finishing. 
Work on a heavily delayed city housing estate appears to be finally ending. The Worcester News has been following the long-running saga after a number of promises were broken about when the work on Wheelgoram Park would finish. St Modwin told us last November that final touches were underway with a 12-week deadline set, but that deadline was missed. In February, the developer then said it would all be completed by March the 11th, but in April there was still a lot of work to be done. A reporter visited on Friday, June the 3rd, and found the Romney Way entrance to the estate off the Whittington Road blocked off, but saw there had been signs of progress. When the reporter last visited at the end of April, drivers were being forced to slalom round two fenced-off drain covers on the bend, while there were also high curbs and pavements to finish forcing people to work, walk in the road. The bend of that road appears now complete, which just the section immediately off the Whittington Road and its footpaths left to do. One resident spoke of his relief work was nearing an end and said it had been a nightmare. The resident said, We had been told it would still be a couple of weeks until everything's done. It's just the entrance and street lighting left now and it's dragged on and on. And living near the entrance in Romney Way, we've been last to be done. Residents previously criticised the deadlines set by the developer, describing them as broken promises that were never met. St Modwin told us in April there was no further comment to provide at this stage, but the developer did send out a letter to residents on the estate which said, We would like to notify you about upcoming remedial works to the roads and footpaths. Footpaths will be completed between May the 3rd to the 5th. Four outstanding streetlights will be installed on May the 9th. We apologise for any inconvenience this may cause while these essential works are being carried out. More than 100 female pupils aged 11 to 16 from secondary schools in Worcestershire seized the first opportunity of its kind to get involved in an alternative physical activity event last month. Taking place at the Worcester White House Hotel, Girls tried their hand at non-traditional activities, including glow dodgeball, yoga, glow beats, meditation and functional fitness, as part of the Worcester's Girls Can Festival, delivered by local charity Active Herefordshire and Worcestershire. The event forms part of the localised version of the national This Girl Can campaign, set out to encourage women and girls to get active in a way they enjoy regardless of their shape, ability or what they look like. It comes at a time when, post-pandemic, getting active is more important than ever for children and young people's mental and physical well-being. In attempt to explore barriers to being active and better engage girls, Girls Talk sessions were delivered throughout the day, helping to provide a space for young girls to talk openly around taboo subjects surrounding such things as the impact of the menstrual cycle, gender stereotypes and more. The small groups of participants were each supported by Worcester Girls Can champions, sixth form leaders from South Bromsgrove High Sixth Form and Tudor Grange Worcester Sixth Form, 
who provided great encouragement to younger pupils whilst improving their own leadership skills. The campaign aims to positively affect health and well-being, improving confidence and self-esteem, encouraging increased and long-term participation in sport and physical activity. Work is continuing to transform a former department store into the city's first artisan food hall as owners tease an opening get date. As work carried out on carried on outside, foodists have been given a look behind the shuttered frontage of the former Debenhams store. It's in the process of being transformed into a destination venue with a farmer's market type stalls, concession stands and live events planned. A picture of the ground floor bar was shared on the Artisan Food Food Hall Instagram account. The image shows a bar that's been coined as the light bar or zinc bar. The caption of the picture teased, It's close, folks, though the actual opening date still remains a mystery. A Worcester News journalist visited the city centre earlier this week and found barriers in place outside the Artisan Food Hall, with work still continuing inside. Artisan Food Hall Worcester revealed in February it hopes to open the ground floor and basement by April or May, with the entire site to open in June. However, there is still no sign of an opening date, and the company has not responded to contact from Worcester News after multiple attempts. The former Debenhams store permanently closed its doors in January 2021, and the site has been in development ever since. It was revealed that the site will include live music, a farmer's market and vintage clothing stores. The ground floor, which has an entrance from Crown Gate, will be a farmer's market selling local produce, while the entrance from the High Street will be more of a lounge. The first floor will have a canteen featuring eight to ten local food and beverage businesses, which will be open from Thursday to Sunday. Basement section, previously men's clothing, will be a retail space for small businesses that sell products such as vintage clothing, retro furniture, and zero waste products. There could even potentially be a skyline bar and secret speakeasy on the top floor with views across Worcester's rooftops. Artisan Food Hall has another 60,000 square feet facility located in Hull which has a very similar concept to what the Worcester branch is set to be. This story is about um, the knife angel, or in connection with the knife angel, that was in Worcester. It's now been removed to somewhere else. I'm not quite sure where it's gone. Over 50 knives were surrendered to the North Worcestershire Police as part of a nationwide campaign to tackle knife crime. A total of 52 knives were surrendered and the police also executed three warrants and 17 arrests. Operation Scepter was launched on May 16th by the Home Office to raise awareness of knife crime across West Mercia. West Mercia police officers put amnesty bins across the county so people could dispose of unwanted knives safely. Over 700 bladed weapons were seized last week across West Mercia as part of Operation Scepter, which is a national week of action to challenge and reduce the threat of knife crime. Chief Superintendent Paul Moxley, who is the force lead for Operation Scepter, said 
West Mercia Police is totally committed to reducing the threat of knife crime within our communities and reducing the number of victims of knife crime. Operation Scepter is a national week of action that highlights our work to tackle this crime type. However, it is important to stress that our work continues beyond this week of action and our officers are working every day to reduce the number of knives being carried and the number of people being hurt by them. As always, the public has been very important and has an important part to play helping to keep knives off our streets. They can help us as our extra eyes and ears in our fight against serious violence and knife crime. And by making a report to us, you could help save a life. In March, a total of 294 knives were placed in the amnesty box in front of the Knife Angel in Castle in Cathedral Square. The statue aimed to encourage people to get rid of unwanted knives they wanted off the streets. Worcester News has contacted to find out how many knives have been collected in Worcester but have not received a response. The Knife Angel stands 8 feet 2 metres tall and is made up of over 100,000 seized knives. The striking sculpture was in Cathedral Square in Worcester between March the 1st and the 30th. The artist, Alfie Bradley, of the British Ironworks Centre in Oswestry, Shropshire, designed the Knife Angel to highlight the negative effects of violent behaviour and express the need for social change. The angel also stands as a memorial to those who've lost their lives to knife crime and a symbol of the grief and pain felt by their families. Walkers are being challenged to trek the 31-mile Worcestershire Way in just one day, all in support of hospice care. Organised by St Richard's Hospice, the Worcestershire Way Walk Challenge, Worcestershire Way Walk Challenge takes place on Friday, July the 8th. The day begins at 6am in Bewdley with participants striding out across the county before finishing on the slopes of the Malvern Hills. Alison Parks, fundraiser at St Richard's Hospice, said, This challenge will leave you with a great sense of achievement as it covers 31 hilly miles in a day. It could be a brilliant team-building exercise or a day out with family and friends to enjoy our county's beautiful countryside. Either way, we're sure it will be a day to remember. All the money raised by this event helps us continue to provide our free hospice care to patients and loved ones when they need us most. We hope you can join us. On the day, lunch will be provided at the Talbot at Nightwick and there will be water stations and marshals along the route. The finish line is at the Red Line in Malvern. Joining the challenge for the second year running is a team from Hagley Homes, a family-run company based in Starbridge. Hagley Homes is also sponsoring the event. Gregor Guy, Graduate Construction and Development Manager at Hagley Homes, said, We all felt a real sense of achievement as we completed the walk. As a group, we pulled together to encourage each other along the way. Knowing that we were doing something to help families in need of support was a big motivation, as well as our own experiences of loved ones dealing with serious illness. This year we hope to raise even more money and play our small part in helping St Richard's provide the vital support and care to those whose lives are affected by serious progressive illnesses.
Last year's event saw 111 walkers take part, raising £30,600 for St Richard's Hospice. To find out more about the Worcestershire Way Walk and to sign up, visit the St Richard's Hospice website. And it's strichards.org.uk slash event slash Worcestershire dash way. And that's all lowercase. Annoyed traders in an ignored city centre street, partially blocked by building work for months, are angry at his missing Jubilee decorations. Business owners on Broad Street feel they have once again been forgotten after other roads in the city centre were brightened up with Jubilee hanging baskets. But the owners of Toys and Games of Worcester have said businesses in the lower end of the street have faced a serious impediment to their livelihoods for over six months. Urgent work was undertaken at the building after it closed in May 2021 for renovations. Storms in November caused the building to be at risk of partial collapse and led to large scaffolding panels to be wrapped around it, effectively partially blocking part of Broad Street. A a spokesperson for Toys and Games of Worcester said, We're fed up with the monstrosity that is the Poundland building and the state of the scaffold outside of it. We've made repeated requests to Crown Estates and Worcester City Council to tidy and help with the area. We've lived with disruption for over a year now and there's serious impediment to our livelihoods for over six months. There is still no wrap on the scaffold, as promised by Crown Estates. There are still abandoned barriers on Broad Street. This is unacceptable. Simply kicking the can down the street will not wash any longer. There has been no serious effort to engage, assist or recompense traders on Lower Broad Street. We live and work in Worcester. We are proud to do so. We will not put up with this any longer. The statement also slammed the lack of attention paid to Broad Street after Jubilee hanging baskets were placed throughout the city. The statement said, Worcester City Council put 160 flower baskets containing fuchsias, verbena, petunias and geraniums dotted in the city, not one on the lower part of Broad Street. It's been highlighted time and time again, the mess that Broad Street is in, and again we're ignored, no more. If the wealthiest landlord in the country and Worcester City Council can't treat Worcester with respect, the people of Worcester will do it for you. We don't want handouts. It's our job to provide money for local services and infrastructure. We want action from the people we give this money to so we can continue to do our bit. Worcester City Council and Crown Estates have been contacted for a response. This is about a harmful plan being rejected by the City Council. A plan to build an apartment building in the car park of a city centre office block has been rejected by council planners. The proposal would have seen a new three-storey building with six flats built behind the former offices in Forgate Street in Worcester, replacing earlier plans to build a four-storey block with seven apartments. Worcester City Council's planning officers have rejected the plan, saying it would not complement the rest of the area. Officers said the apartment building would be harmful to the neighbouring listed buildings and would be unsympathetic of the council and would be unsympathetic to the character and appearance of the surrounding conservation area. The former office building facing Forgate Street is set to be converted into 13 flats, 
as part of a separate plan by the same developer for gate regeneration. Worcester City Council's planning committee approved the application in November last year, but an original plan that would have allowed for a four-storey building to be built to house seven apartments in the rear car park of the empty Grade 2 listed former solicitor's office was scrapped after a number of concerns were raised. The ground floor unit of the listed building in Fourgate Street, which has been used to be a home to offices but has been empty for more than two years following Thursfield solicitors relocating nearby to the tithing, that would remain in place. In an objection, the Conservation Advisory Group said it was agreed that the proposal would be a harmful infilling of one of the few remaining open backland sites in Farrier Street. It would obscure the view of the main listed buildings and this would cause considerable harm to the character of the conservation area. The panel noted that there are other tall structures in the area but considered that this places even more importance on the need to keep these few remaining backland areas open and undeveloped. Highways officers at Worcestershire County Council also objected to the application, saying it could not support a plan that removed seven car parking spaces to make way for a new apartment building. Well, that concludes the um, general news stories for the week. There isn't much in the sport, to be honest, but we've got one story each. So, Catherine, do you want to start with, uh, I think it's football, isn't it? It is, yeah. Leaders commit. Hardy duo continue Worcester stay as pre-season schedule edges ever closer. Worcester City have been handed a big boost as club captains Craig Jones and Aaron Roberts have signed one-year deals with the club. Captain Jones and Vice-Captain Roberts will continue to lead the side for the 2022-23 campaign after signing up for another season. Manager Tim Harris has been working hard behind the scenes to build his side, but the duo will have been top of his list to keep on. Craig is a leader, said Harris. He's a winner and someone we missed greatly last season, being out for six months from what was a horrendous challenge. His determination and desire are there for all to see, and from the first minute I walked through the door, Craig has shown a truly professional outlook. On Roberts, Harris continued, Aaron is a firm fan's favourite, a real competitor in character. Aaron has shown total commitment to Worcester City, and no one is more delighted than myself. Aaron has the ability to play in several positions, and when called on last term, even scored two two goals as a striker against Boldmere. Roberts and Jones are two of the longest servants in this current side, having both signed for the club back in 2019 from Bromsgrove Sporting. The pair both racked up over 200 appearances for Sporting and are considered legends at the Victoria ground, but are now consolidating themselves as big fan favourites with City fans. And this one is about Moen Ali and his OBE. Moen Ali has revealed his joy at being awarded an OBE and his love of still playing for Worcestershire. The England All-Rounder was included in the Queen's Birthday Honours list for services to cricket and he's made 225 appearances for his country. But Moen feels he's been acknowledged for more than his cricket exploits and he's been a beacon for British Asian sport. He said, my family and I are ecstatic with it. 
My parents in particular are very happy and my wife and kids. It just feels I've been acknowledged for more than the game itself, so I'm really happy. You inspire a lot of people, especially from the inner city, and people that you can relate to. I've got no banter yet from the lads about it, the OBE, but I'm sure I will do. There's been a bit here and there. Moen is back available for four Vitality Blast games before England's ODI series in the Netherlands and showed his class with figures of 1 to 19 against Leicestershire Foxes. He said, It's always nice to come back to New Road and see familiar faces, your friends. I love coming back here to Worcestershire and playing. Moen confirmed that he's also contemplating the possibility of a test return with England after announcing his retirement last September. He said, I'm going to wait and see. It's something I'm thinking about. It's more if I'm needed more than anything, but it's still far out. The guys are doing well and had a great win against New Zealand. We'll see. Anything can happen. And this is a brief uh, countdown of one of the games that Worcestershire played recently. Worcestershire Rapids were unable to build on their derby win over Birmingham Bears on Friday as they fell 26 runs short of Leicestershire Foxes' total in disappointing fashion in their latest Vitality Blast fixture. It was at the end of both innings that the Rapids lost touch as the Foxes scored 59 runs in their final five overs before the hosts lost their final five wickets for just 14 runs with the bat. Rishi Patel scored 37 from 25 balls to lead Leicestershire to 162 for six, with Barnard, the pick of the Rapids bowlers, taking two for 17 from his three overs. The top order for Rapids didn't fare too badly, with Ben Cox, Brett D'Oliveira and Barnard all scoring over 20 runs, but the bottom order fell away in the main thanks to Fox's Naveen Ulhach, who returned impressive figures of five for 10. Disappointing then for Worcestershire. So there's one or two other bits of sport, but not anything really to tickle anyone's fancy. And we will move on, I think, to the thought for the week, which, Jane, you've got that, if you could read that out. This is from John chapter 1, verses 29 and 30. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takest away the sin of the world... This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Thank you. And on to the birthday file. We've got three birthdays to celebrate this week. On the 14th of June, uh, both Moira Lowe and Lillian Aldridge share their, that date for their birthdays. And on the 15th, it's Elizabeth Bow. Uh, that's on the 15th. So a happy birthday to all three of you coming up. Have a lovely day. Last but not least, we have the sunrise and sunset times. The sun rose this morning at 4.49 a.m. and will set tonight at 9.21 p.m. Almost getting closer to the longest day. Right, well, that concludes this week's edition of Worcester Talking News. And I'd like to thank tonight's readers, Catherine and Jane, and our engineer on the other side of the glass, Alex, for all they've done today, and to wish everyone a very good week ahead. So it's goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. And me. Mike Bowley. Passed away on the 23rd of May, aged 86 years. 
A service will be held at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday the 15th of June at 10.45am. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, to St Richard's Hospice, care of Jackson Family Funeral Directors, 54 to 56 Barbourne Road, Worcester, WR11JA. Terry Clinton passed away on the 12th of May, aged 72. Service to be held at Worcester Crematorium on the 13th of June, 2022, at 11.30am. Family flowers only. Donations, if desired, for St Richard's Hospice can be left following the service or sent to Jackson Family Funeral Directors, 54 to 56 Barbourne Road, Worcester, WR11 JA. Eric Carnell died on the 14th of May at Regent House Care Home, aged 95 years. Funeral service is to take place at Worcester Crematorium on Monday the 13th of June at 1pm. Family flowers only, please. Donations can be sent directly to the Royal British Legion, Claines. Wake to be held at Claines Royal British Legion Club, WR3 7PL. Massey Ronald William passed away on 12th of May, aged 90 years. The funeral service will take place at All Saints Church, Shelsley Beecham, on Wednesday the 15th of June at 2pm. Donations, if desired, for Dementia UK may be left in the donation box on the day or sent directly to the charity. Floral tributes welcome. All inquiries to Worcester Cooperative Funeral Care. 17 Lowesmore, Worcester, WR1. 2RS 01905 22137 Palmer David Thomas Michael passed away on the 21st of May 2022 aged 87 years Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium Chapel on Wednesday 15th of June at 11.30am followed by interment at Astwood Cemetery Family flowers only, please, but donations if desired for Witchbold Swan Rescue or the Alzheimer's Society may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium chapel or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 68-70, Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR3-7EU. Baldwin, Michael, passed away on the 18th of May, aged 58. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the 16th of June at 2.30. Family flowers only please, but donations if desired for Macmillan Cancer Support may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 68-70, Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. No black by request please. Davis Trina, nay ward, passed away on the 24th of May, aged 82. Funeral service at the Vale Crematorium on Friday the 24th of June at 2pm. Please wear bright colours. Family flowers only, please. Donations if desired for Age UK may be left at the service or sent to Bedwardine Funeral Services 01905 748811. 
Wrench, Jenny, nay Eadcock, tragically passed away in a road accident, aged 65, on the 16th of May. Funeral service to take place at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday, 23rd of June, at 1.45. If desired, you can send flowers or donations for Acorns Children's Hospice, Worcester, or for the British Heart Foundation to Bedwardine Funeral Services, Worcester, or left in the collection box after the service. Gummery, Michael, known as Ron, formerly of Birdlip Close, passed away in hospital on 21st of May, age 77. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday the 14th of June at 10am. Flowers or donations, if desired, for QEHKPA, may be sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 6870, Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR3 7EU. There will also be a collection plate at the crematorium. Roberts, Philip James, passed away peacefully on 21st of May, aged 74. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday the 14th of June at 1pm. Family flowers only, please, but donations if desired for St Richard's Hospice may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery & Son, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR3 7EU. Tyler Morris, known as Mo Moggy, passed away peacefully on the 15th of May, aged 87. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday the 15th of June at 2.30pm. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for Worcestershire Acute Hospitals Charity or the British Heart Foundation may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery & Son, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR3 7EU. Smart casual dress is optional.